0: Life-Giving Church. This is our little theme song that you're hearing in the background. And uh, it helps us, anything you do, rating the podcast, sharing it, all that stuff helps the word get out. We're not trying to build the name of a church, we're trying to build the name of Jesus in our little local community. And if you found this, I hope it's useful to you. Thank you. Let's listen now. Book of Acts in chapter 13. Uh, The Bible is simple, but it is also uh, filled with complexity. I understand that that sounds like a contradiction, but what I mean is one of the beautiful things about God's sovereign, perfect word in the Bible is that the Bible is written in a way so simple that even a child can understand it, yet the levels and depth to what is in it are enough that you can study it for your whole lifetime and still feel like you're finding new things in it. And one of the things that we see in the Bible is that there are uh, oftentimes the writers are taking on literary concepts or using literary ideas as they write. So the Bible isn't a scientific textbook. Uh, The Bible is not a book of poetry. The Bible is not a, a fiction kind of complicated story. But depending on what page you're on, there are elements of that idea all the way through. The reason why I'm saying that is in the book of Acts chapter 13 and 14, which is what I wanna preach to you now. We've been studying this story of the early church for quite a long time now, and we've made it to about the middle. And in Acts 13 and 14, the writer Luke shows us a pattern. Uh, Paul and Barnabas have gone out to share the story of Jesus all around the Mediterranean area uh, near where they lived. They've been going town to town to town, sharing the story of what Jesus did for them. And we see in Acts 13 and 14, The same pattern happens at four different cities, and it's organized this way so that we can notice it and understand it and then apply it. Because in life, if you understand the pattern, it makes it a lot easier to live with joy. If you understand the pattern, it makes it a lot easier to live with joy. I'm thinking about that right now. One of the reasons why uh, people are so excited and kind of love fall you know they can't wait to take like their picture with their like wide brim hat and their perfect flannel and their kids buy a pile of apples or whatever like that's why is that such a thing is because you know the pattern the reason why we try really hard to enjoy the fall is because what happens next and so when you know the pattern it makes it easier to live with joy you soak everything up you can in the summer you enjoy the fall while it lasts and then you just kind of figure out a way to make it through the next part but knowing the pattern allows you to live with joy. Uh, same thing I've been learning with our family as our kids get older, that uh, sometimes the anticipation of vacation is more fun than vacation. Does anyone ever have this experience? That like, the best part is like the day after you forget how much it cost, when you booked it, but now you're just looking forward to it. And then all the buildup, and then you get back, and it's so funny, you talk to people all the time, most people get back from vacation saying, you know what I really need right now? It's like a vacation to get, like, over the vacation or whatever. But when you understand the pattern, and I could go on and on and on and on and on and on. I could give you 100 more examples, but I think you understand. When I understand the pattern, it makes it a lot easier to live with joy. So I want to show you, in the book of Acts 13 and 14, we see a pattern that comes four times. And uh, last week, we went through this first section, so I can go quick through this part. Here's the pattern. First, we see communication. Communication uh, of the gospel with clarity produces opposition to the gospel message, which must be persevered through that inevitable hardship while waiting for the promised fruit. That's the pattern that we see over and over and over and over. So in Cyprus, uh, which we talked about when Paul and Barnabas went to Cyprus last week, we see in verse 5, communication. We see in verse 8, opposition. We see in verse 9, perseverance. And we see in verse 12, fruit. Now we're going to see that pattern three more times. The pattern is the same over and over and over and over. We see the gospel communicated. What is the gospel? The gospel is not uh, many things that a lot of other people want it to be. The gospel is good news, which is where we got the name of this church from, and it is that Jesus Christ came to save sinners like you and me, The message of the gospel is not that we try to be good so that we can get to God. The message of the gospel is we can't be good, but Jesus came down to us anyway. Jesus came, he lived a perfect life, he died on the cross, he rose again on the third day, and he is waiting to come back to set right all the wrongs in this world. That is the good news. But whenever that good news is communicated, there is always opposition that rises up, Because there's a lot of people out there that have invested their time, their money, their energy, their position of power into the truth or the idea of a truth that you can earn your way to God. And so whenever the good news is proclaimed, there's always this opposition that rises up. That opposition requires perseverance, like almost any good thing in life does. It requires, even though it's difficult, like we were just singing, even though it's difficult, no, I'm not going to give up, I'm not going to quit, I'm not going to, what. I'm just going to persevere, keep on going. And after the perseverance is where the fruit comes in. It says uh, here in Acts 13 that when that teaching of the Lord was given to this powerful man, we talked about this a little last week, there's this uh, Greek word, and it means that he, it says that he was amazed, he was astounded at the teaching of the Lord. That there's this thing, when that centers in your heart for the first time, this is hopefully what we're going to hear from the folks that are getting baptized today, when it settles in your heart for the first time, that the teaching of God is not that I have to be good enough, work hard enough, get a perfect enough body, get a big enough social media account, and as long as my kids are behaved and my car looks right, and if I can just kind of achieve enough, then I'll be good. When it settles into your heart that God loves you right where you are right now, enough to give his son, when that settles in your heart, it it produces that. This amazed, this astounded by what? That there is forgiveness of sin and a God who came to save. So that's, I've told you everything. Now I just want to show it to you again three more times. We're going to see it in the text. So Paul and Barnabas now, they uh, are on their way. It says to Perga. Look with me in verse 13. So Paul and his companion, they set sail from Paphos and came to Perga and Pamphylia. And John left them and returned to Jerusalem. But they went on from Perga and came to <laughs> Antioch in Pisidia, which is a different Antioch than they were sent out from. And on the Sabbath day, they went into the synagogue and sat down. And after reading from the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent a message to them saying, brothers, if you have any word of encouragement for the people, say it. So Paul stood up and motioning with his hand, started to speak. He speaks for about 30 verses. And in these 30 verses, Paul communicates the truth of the gospel. Paul communicates the truth of how sinners are saved. It is critically important that every person who finds their way into a room like this and every person who's listening to a message like this doesn't just kind of zoom over, not try to understand. This single thing is the single most important thing that any human being can ever understand, which is how is a sinner saved from their sin. I don't know about you, uh, A lot of times in life, you just kind of like let things go over your head without trying too hard to figure them out because it's just easier that way. Do you ever have that? Like as an example, I can just, maybe I can just confess this. I've been getting texts for like maybe a month that there was some kind of recall on my Honda car and then I'm supposed to take it in because they want to like replace a part or something. And just thinking about it, it just feels like too complicated and like I'm going to get there and then they're gonna like, oh, we gave you the part, but then we had to give you these other parts and so it's going to cost like $5,000 and I just... And so instead of like trying to understand it, I just kind of keep getting the text and I just kind of leave it over there <laughs> just because it's easier not to figure it out. Am I the only person that ever does things like that? Okay, I got me and Nora and Ken sitting outside in the lobby. I got three of us. <clears throat> and it can be easy to do that with these spiritual truths. It can be easy to just kind of let it all fall into a pile of a bunch of different stuff and some, a bunch of ideas that I've pulled together. We have to understand This I want to just show you a selection of a few of the verses while Paul is talking. First, in verse 17, you can help me by just throwing these on the screen a little quicker so I can read them. Paul says that the God of his people, Israel, he chose our fathers, Paul's speaking to the Jewish people, and made the people great during their stay in the land of Egypt, and with uplifted arm, he led them out of it. Brother, son of the family of Abraham, and those among you who fear God, to us has been sent the message of this salvation. And we bring you, there it is, the good news that what God promised to the fathers, he has fulfilled to us by their children by raising Jesus. So let it be known to you, next verse, therefore, brothers, that through this man forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you and by him everyone who believes, read that, is freed from everything from which you could not be freed by the law of Moses. So, uh, if you're going to understand your Bible, you have to understand the Jewish people that were being originally written to. Uh, One of the reasons why this is just an aside, so often in our world, anti-Semitism goes away and then it rises again, is because God chose some people for his own and they're special to him. And he told them, there's uh, someone coming, they call him a messiah this person is going to come and he's going to save you from your sins and i mean in like the most hilarious micro way possible i feel like i live have lived my whole life as a chicago bears fan and my whole life we have been waiting for the right quarterback who's going to make it different than the same old lose 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 and i feel this intense sense of anticipation that maybe someday we'll get the right person right there and then the team will win but imagine anticipating, waiting, looking for a person who's not just going to make your football team a little better, but someone who is going to change your political fortunes, you hope, your economic fortunes, you hope, certainly your spiritual. They were waiting, 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 but somehow many of the people missed Jesus when he came. They just missed it because they were looking for something or he didn't fit the box they had or it wasn't exactly the way they hoped it would work out or however they missed it. And so Paul is saying to these people gathered in this place, listen, He came, and forgiveness of sin is available, and you know how that trying hard to fulfill the rules thing didn't work for you under the law of Moses? In Jesus, it's a new system. You are loved and freed and forgiven. You can be free, even though in the old system you couldn't be free. What a powerful thing that is for you and me to think about today. There's some things, I don't know about you, there's some things that we can't get free of, some patterns of thinking that we really struggle not to get bogged down in, some regret about the past that we think about too often on these cold nights that happen in the winter that get us really down. There's stuff that we can't get over or anger or frustration or or hurts that we feel or habits that we've cultivated over time. And sometimes you just, as you get older in your life, you just start to throw up your hands, saying, am I ever going to not be dealing with the same things that I'm dealing with right now? Is it just going to be this same problem over and over and over and over and over and then eventually I'm going to die? The good news of Jesus is that you can be free from the things that trying harder can't free you from. That's through the good news. The good news, the way that we define it here, is these five words. Uh, It's God, sin, substitution, believe, life. Uh, We've talked about that before, and we'll talk about it again. I just want to put that in front of you. That is the good news message in its most concentrated form, and that's what Paul is speaking here in this first phase of this pattern here, communication. But then, of course, because it always does opposition rises up in verse 45 which i think we have to put on the screen all of a sudden the next sabbath almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the lord So the sermon was so great the next week so many people came but when the jews saw the crowds they were filled with jealousy and began to contradict what was spoken by paul reviling him next into verse i think we have uh, verse 48 to 50 What were the Jews angry at? The Jews were angry at Paul's willingness to share Jesus with the Gentiles, and they were angry at Paul's clarity about a message that they had rejected. Not everyone wants Jesus to freely and equally be for everyone. Not everybody wants that. Many people, their form of religious thought is it's just the people like me over here, and it shouldn't be anybody else. The story continues now in verse 48 and 50, so when the Gentiles heard what Paul was saying, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. The Gentiles and as many people as were appointed to eternal life, those people believed, and the word of God was spreading throughout the whole region, but the Jews incited the devout women of high standing and the leading men of the city, stirring up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and drove them out of their district. See, communication, and the second thing is always opposition. It doesn't matter how well you live your faith in Jesus and how clearly and calmly and kindly you proclaim it, some people are going to reject you because they reject him. Your faith, and we've talked about this so many times before, that doesn't give us license to just be jerks and then call every bad thing that happens persecution. But we do need to understand this pattern so that we can live with joy and not get all burdened down. Some people are going to reject you because they reject your faith. Because Jesus presents something that people have to do something about, and some people are going to reject it, which requires this perseverance. Paul and Barnabas are incredible. They just kind of kick on to the next place. Put the verse that we have on the screen. They don't quit. They simply just change venue. They're into the, onto the next town, onto the next town. In verse 51, it says, "But they shook the dust off of their feet against them." They were like, "All right, you don't want us here, no problem." And went on to Iconium, and it says that the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Now the pattern starts again. So at Iconium, it says they entered verse one, chapter 14, into the Jewish synagogue, and spoke in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Gentiles believed. On to the next place. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles, verse 2, and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So they remained for a long time, speaking boldly for the Lord, who bore witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. We see it again in verse 1. We see communication. Effective gospel communication lives at this intersection of clarity and urgency. That there is something about this good news that requires a response and requires a choice. One of the fears that a pastor who's in church week by week by week by week by week has is that there's people who come and they listen and they, they like it and maybe they give a little bit and they like talking to somebody, they like a certain donut, and they can lose sight of the reality that Jesus presents a question that must be answered being in a church building doesn't get you any closer to being in heaven just like going and sitting in a lobby uh, in the lobby at the gym and drinking a smoothie doesn't get you any closer to being fit or even worse being one of those people that goes just sits in the hot tub, never works out and then leaves it's even a higher level that doesn't get you any closer to being anywhere does it? And so we must, okay, I've hit a chord somewhere there in the crowd, apparently. We we must choose with clarity, dear friends, to actually believe in the gospel. So why does this happen, I wonder? Why don't people believe? Why do the unbelieving Jews stir up, it says in verse 2, the Gentiles and poison their minds? Why don't people believe? The reason why people don't believe is a willful rebellion to not see what should be obvious. I was uh, driving along uh, a lot. I was driving a lot yesterday. We had two football games, and I was out a lot. And I drove by so many big collections of forests or trees as I was out all over. And every time I look at that right now with those colors, who could look at that? Who could look at that with a true, honest mind and say, Yeah, it just kind of ended up that way? It just kind of ended up that way. It just, you know, Andre, it just kind of, I don't know, we just kind of threw a bunch of stuff up in the air, and it just kind of ended up that way. The only way that you can look at the beauty of creation, the amazing reality of what the human body is capable of, and not believe that there's a God is by willful blindness. And the Bible shows us both blindness. It also shows us refusing to open eyes. It shows us both of those things. Sometimes you can have the experience, maybe some people who are in the room today have come to faith like this. Some people have the experience if I was just kind of going along and I was just kind of living my life, and then the first time I heard this story of the good news, it just like ripped my heart open, and I believed in it and i believed ever since. And some people have the experience of like, I was kind of going along for a long time in church and I, who knows how many times I heard And Thank God my mom kept praying because all of a sudden, one day, it was like my eyes were just opened. And it was just to encourage somebody who's praying, who has more of that second experience that like they were around for a long time hearing the good news before it came through to them. I'm like, show hands, it's all right, you can show, yeah, 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 yeah. Am taking a picture of you? It's all good. Yeah, right. Why is it like that? Well, 1 Corinthians, Paul wrote this, who this story is about today, says that the word of the cross is folly. Uh, some translations say foolishness. To the people who are perishing, but to those of us who are being saved, it's the power of God. So when, when we're singing just a minute ago and Kim is singing and it, there's like an intensity in the room and some people you look around and they're so into it like this is the best part of their week and some people are like kind of like on their Apple Watch checking their fantasy football team for the day. Why is it like that? Why do we have such different experiences with the same thing that's happening? It's because to people who are still blind, it's foolishness. They're like, I don't know, I'm out. I don't know, I don't know, I'm not into it. But when you've been saved, you're like, this is the power of God, and I can't get enough. And opposition produces that clarity. So the story continues, and they need uh, perseverance again. They need perseverance again. They need to choose not to give up even when they're being rejected. They need to choose to continue to speak the truth even when being treated poorly. This blesses God. The Bible has uh, quite a bit to say about the special blessing in store for people who are treated poorly because of their willingness to tell the truth. And we live in an age where this is so challenging. We've talked about this quite a bit in the last year. Knowing when to speak the truth and how to speak the truth is so challenging in the world that we live in because most of the sacred things to God are not sacred to our culture anymore. Most of the things that really, really matter to God don't matter to our culture anymore. The way that God made you and the person that he made you to be is something that he loves. And our culture increasingly tells you, you don't have to be who God made you to be, just be whoever and it's totally cool. But any attempt that we make to tell the truth about that often results in us being treated poorly. And when you are treated poorly, simply for believing what God has told you to believe, that blesses God and God honors it, often by producing fruit. I see it here in the story. Many people were saved. Many people believed. So then, uh, Paul and Barnabas, they were kicked out of this town. They were mistreated and they were stoned, and they now made it to Lystra. This is the fourth time the same pattern is now going to re- repeat. We're almost at the end now, so please stick with me. Now, at Lystra, there was a man sitting, it says, verse 8, and this man couldn't use his feet. He was crippled from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul speaking, and Paul looking intently at him, seeing that he had faith to be made well, said in a loud voice, stand upright on your feet, and he sprang up and began walking. Now, I'll just summarize what happens next. When the crowd crowd saw what Paul had done, that this guy who had never walked in his life could all of a sudden walk, the people started saying, the gods are here. It must be Zeus. It must be Hermes. And they started to worship Paul and Barnabas. And Paul and Barnabas just like Flip out. They say, we're not men of, this is in verse 15, why are you doing these things? We're, we're also men. We have a nature just like your nature, and we're bringing you good news that you should turn from vain things to a living God. So what's happening? Uh, they communicate, communication. Then this is opposition. Interestingly enough, at Lister, the first part of the opposition uh, isn't negative reaction, but improper flattery. Sometimes opposition isn't this, no, don't tell me this, it's this. And this has happened, happens to lots of people where someone makes an impact in your life and you start to almost worship the person taking your eyes off of the God that they were speaking about. And this is why so often people get um, disillusioned or frustrated by church is they started to look at the person who was telling them about God as somehow part of the thing, not realizing that no, no, the whole thing is about the God that we're talking about. Uh, one of the reasons why we try hard—I'm and I'm not saying we're perfect. One of the reasons why we try hard here to lower the boundary between all of us is one of the worst things that could happen. Come here, Lance. You're gonna be in a second. One of the worst things that could happen. Um, one of the worst things that could happen in church today is for you. Come on, come on, come on. You always act so surprised. I told you like 20 minutes ago you were going to be in the sermon. One of the reasons why, uh, one of the worst things that could happen today is for you to have an impact in your life from God and to think that that had anything to do with the person reading you the Bible and teaching it to you and not because God came down from heaven to impact you. And so one of the reasons why we try hard, this is why I like, you know, I like to tell stories about being a bad driver and, and whatever, all the like, vibes that we create here are trying to create this thing that we're here because there is one person worthy of worship. There is one name that is in lights. There is one significant person. There is one person who will never let you down. I'm going to try my best not to let you down. The band's going to try your best. Kristen tries like heck to help every person get connected and every person's email follow up. We're doing our best to serve you well, but we are not worthy of any access appreciation. All of that is supposed to go up to the God who saved us and hopefully the God who has already saved you. And that's where sometimes crazy opposition isn't someone rejecting the message. But improperly flattery, flattery around the message. So the story continues. But Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, verse 19. Having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. Really happened. Just say that. Say that really happened. Say it. They started throwing rocks at him for a long enough time that they were like, ah, oh, I guess he's dead, so I guess it's done. But when the disciples gathered about him, verse 20, he rose up and entered the city, and on the next day he went on with Barnabas to Derby. I'd say that counts as perseverance. Th- Rockstar night, you thought you were dead? Not even like a self-care day at the spa. He was just right on up and on to the mission. But then what happens? They preached the gospel to the next city and made many Disciples. They returned to Lystrum and Iconium and Antioch. They went back then through all the places that they had been, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, saying that through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. Through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. So I've tried to show you this pattern, and I want to try to apply it everybody. When we understand the pattern... We aren't destroyed by what comes our way. We understand the pattern. We aren't destroyed by what comes our way. It says there in my Bible, and yours too if you're looking at it, that through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. Through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. We've talked about this so often, but I want to make sure that we get it today. God is not promising us ease. He's promising us his presence through our difficulty. God is not promising us that if we're just good enough, then it's just gonna keep on getting better and better and better and better. Jesus said it, and we see it here. This is my friend Lance. You know, we like to put him in the sermon. He's uh, one of my dear friends. We've known each other a long time, and in the time that I've known you, we've had seen God answer some prayers, and we've seen some really tough stuff. And we've walked through a lot of ups and downs, not just you to me, but me to you too, right? We've walked a lot of road together. And I pray that by faith, we'll get to keep walking a lot of road together. But as we're growing in faith, you and me, we've talked so many times that you are growing in your faith, right? So what does that mean? It means increasing, The amount of time i spend in the bible increasing in my faith and certainty that god is with me and good things are ahead it's increasing in my obedience it's growing my habits so they're more like it's all those things are all happening and what we have this temptation to think we have this temptation to think that as i do better i'm earning something good that as i read my bible my kids are going to be more obedient as I, as I give more to the church, then things are going to go better at work. And as I uh, try to forgive my sister who annoyed me so much, God is going to make it so I'm no longer losing my hair. Or whatever. Like the case may be, we have this thought that as, right, don't we, so often, that as I do better, I'm going to earn better. And what this text is trying to say you, to you, Lance, and you're serving us by being the kind of stand-in for all of us, is that isn't necessarily true. Is isn't necessarily true that when the gospel is communicated, there is always opposition of some kind and in some way. And the key with the opposition is perseverance. Don't give up. Don't give up. Just because I started reading my Bible and then all of a sudden things are going even worse at work doesn't mean I stop reading my Bible. It means I keep on going. Perseverance. Don't give up because on the other side of perseverance is always fruit, is always fruit. Now, often it's not the fruit that we think or the fruit that we plan for, or the fruit that we hope, but on the other side of that perseverance hill, lands is everything God wants to bring into your life. The answer to every prayer that you're praying is on the other side of not quitting when it feels like quitting. The answer to every hope that you're hoping, every dream that you're leaning into, everything that you're asking God to do in your life, The only path to the things that God wants to do in your life is to not quit when it feels kind of like quitting. That's the only path. So then if you want to get to where you want to get, I just got to keep saying to myself, I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to to turn it down. When we understand the pattern, we aren't destroyed by what comes our way. But I came today to say, now we're almost done, the band's coming, we're going to be singing and on to brunch and a bunch of other stuff in just a minute. When we communicate with clarity, this is it. We must assume that opposition is coming. We must persevere through the inevitable hardship while watching for the promised fruit. So I don't know what prayers you brought to church today. I don't know what discouragements or uncertainties or I don't know what all that is right God knows but amazingly enough he walks us through the same kind of way the same path to get to the other side every single time and so two things we're aiming for before we sing come on you guys we're gonna sing in just a minute so come on right to the stage don't even stop You guys looked great when you left you looked great when you just walked back in and we're about to sing (laughs) one don't be surprised when it's difficult don't be surprised when it's challenging when God throws something that is threatening to tear your marriage apart don't be like oh where did this come from be like of course because the devil wants to stop me God doesn't want me to progress, and so of course God wants to destroy my marriage, take me back to bad habits that I thought I'd gotten away from, get in the way with my children. Of course God wants to make me think I'm the worst mother ever, the most terrible husband, the, 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 the nothing good, what the enemy wants to do is to get you sidelined by getting you discouraged, and that happens way more easily when we're not ready for the inevitable difficulty that come our way. So please, from here forward, do not be surprised difficult things are coming our way and two when that happens we don't like call an emergency meeting and say we're going to change everything actually the fact that it's difficult right now if I'm looking at it through biblical lenses can be evidence that I am right where God wants me and I just need to keep being faithful to tell the truth about who Jesus is to not quit or give up Not lean on my own understanding, but in all my ways acknowledge Him, and He will what make straight my paths. So whatever you came to church with today, we're gonna sing in just a second. Why don't you even stand to your feet? I'm gonna pray, and then we're gonna sing. Whatever you came to church with today, I hope that that's what you're leaving with. That we're not gonna quit, we're not gonna give up, and we're not gonna be surprised when difficult things come our way. And so I pray by faith now, Lord, across this whole room, would You rise up in us faith? to believe you and to trust you and to not quit when things get hard, but to know the patterns and the realities that the difficult things that have come our way are from you often, and we can trust you in them. And I'm praying, Lord, would you rain down from heaven faith right now on every person who needs it? Would you rain down perseverance on every person who's tired in the difficulty? Would you raise, uh, rain down a certainty? that we don't know who holds the we don't know what hold the future holds but we know who holds the future we don't know what tomorrow brings but you know that we know that you're going to be with us we don't know what's on the other side but we know that we're not going to quit we're not going to give up we're not going to lay down we're going to keep on trusting keep on praying keep on believing because you are good and your steadfast love endures forever in jesus name amen come on let's sing together this has been the good news neighborhood podcast thank you so much for listening I hope you've enjoyed the song. I hope it's been helpful to you. We'll see you again soon. This is good news.